Hello and welcome to this week's talk from Real Life Church. My name is Matt, I'm an elder at Real Life Church and I lead the worship team with my wife Phil, also the father of Delta and Blue. I hope that everyone is well and I continue to pray for everyone's safety, protection, good physical and mental health. I pray that you stay close to God although we are scattered at this time. I'm so proud of everyone for all they're doing to be good to their communities, all the helping, caring, encouraging, praying. I love hearing the stories uh, on WhatsApp and Zoom and phone calls and doorstep conversations that are going on. Remember, it's really important to stay connected at this time more than ever. So the Apostles' Creed. I've really been enjoying the series so far. Do check out the other um, broadcasts from Stuart and Jeremy and there'll be more to come. I hope the enjoyment will continue this week. And for me, I've always been cautious of reciting the same thing every time I come before my God. But then I grew up regularly reciting the Lord's Prayer with no real understanding or meaning. In the same way that I'd never give Phil, my amazing wife, the same card every day, containing the same words of love, I think it would lose meaning over time. I think it shows a, a deeper and more sincere love to show this in creative and new ways. And yes, I know I need to do this more. Um, presents that show an understanding of what she loves. Flowers, cooking dinner, being helpful, holding hands, hugging. I'll stop there. Um, but there are basic fundamentals of our marriage that I will never forget. Phil is my wife. We met at church in Bishop Stortford and I still remember how I felt the first time that I saw her. She loves roses that smell and look beautiful. She loves seafood. And, and knowing these things helps me to show my love better. So personally, I use the creed to remember the fundamentals of my faith, the, the close-fisted truths that I will never let go of. Sometimes we stand together as a church and recite the creed, declaring the truths that we share, the truths about an incredible God that unites us together. These are often times of profound beauty and a wonderful demonstration of unity in this world. Every line is packed with poignant truth and such importance. And it's really important we know that what we can be certain of in an uncertain world. But for me, the danger is we just get into the habit of repeating something, which disengages our hearts and brains. Although the truth remains phenomenal, the familiarity of expressing it in the same way somehow leads to disconnection. The strength of remembering and declaring the creed is to help and remind us the breadth of who God is, what we believe, which in turn inspires a creative and passionate response to our living God. I pray that as we look at a few lines today, the Holy Spirit will help us to understand that truth in greater depth and in turn express it in our actions and in fresh and spontaneous worship. If you're new to Real Life Church or new to church or new to faith, then I encourage you to discuss and learn about these truths. These truths shape our knowledge of God and our knowledge of who we are. They affect the way we live. And if you're not sure, ask questions, talk to us, let's debate and let's go on this journey together. Okay, let's read the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. 
he descended to the dead and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, today we're going to be focusing on two lines, where it says, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And we're going to be looking at the love, the mercy, the power, and the victory of the cross. Now, the cross is very much at the centre of our faith. It's the turning point of history. It is the fulfilment of countless prophecies throughout the Old Testament and the story of the world. The theology around the cross is far, far wider than I can possibly talk about in 30 minutes. So today I'm going to share with you what I felt God wanted to emphasise and talk to us about. So firstly, the crucifixion of Jesus is historical fact. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus exists in historical accounts and was crucified under the command of Pontius Pilate. Fact. Please do research this more, but trust me for now, whoever you believe Jesus was, he was crucified. So why is Pilate mentioned by name? In part, this is to remind us that this is an historical account of fact, not fiction. Not a fairy tale, We're not talking about Jesus as a supernatural or heavenly figure floating around the earth. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He walked on this earth as confirmed by historical documents. He could only be crucified and died if he were fully man as well as fully God, as God cannot die. And now, not only was he crucified, but he was crucified by a horrible man according to historical accounts. He was a leader famous for being a thug, naturally inflexible, accepting bribes, handing out insults, for robbery, for execution without trial. He was known for being vicious and was finally removed from power by the Romans that he served, following, amongst other things, the killing of a group of Samaritans who were just on pilgrimage at Mount Gerizim. In Matthew 27, when you read the account of Jesus before Pilate, you see that even Pilate seems to be aware that Jesus does not deserve to die. Yet he goes through with this. When the crowd gets rowdy, he literally washes his hands of the decision, blames them and sentences Jesus to an unjust and horrible death to keep the peace. Now notice here, it was man that sent Jesus to the cross. Pilate declares the final order, but it is also the voice of the people the crowd that shapes this decision. Literally, the sin of the people and their rejection of Jesus sets in motion what happens next. Jesus suffered because of us. Yep, God sent him to earth for this purpose, but because we had sent him to the cross in the first place, the blood is on our hands, and he suffered because man needed him to. We needed that perfect sacrifice. Now think for a minute from a human level. How hard is it to do something or accept something when you know you're right or you know you're being treated unjustly? Or perhaps, as is often the case, you think you're right. (laughs) Or is that just me? It's really hard just to let it go and to move on when you think you're in the right and someone else is in the wrong. Now, Jesus knew the truth. In no way did Jesus deserve to die. Yet he loved us so much 
He did not defend himself. He remained silent. And he did what he needed to do to set us free. That's incredible. History records just how unjust and how undeserved and how grotesque the death of Jesus was. Yet, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. In Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, so what was God's motivation to send his son to an undeserved, degrading, cruel and painful death on the cross? That's his love for us. Um, from Philippians 2, we need to remember that Jesus, who being in the very nature God, so he had the same depth of love for us as his father, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. For example, he could have saved himself from the crowd and from Pilate and ultimately from his crucifixion. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So to answer the question of Tina Turner, What's love got to do with it? The answer here is everything. So the extent of God's love for us is unimaginable and beyond anything we can fathom. But why did Jesus have to die for us? Well, Jesus was never responsible for our sin. Sin is our choice. It's our decision. From Adam and Eve deciding to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge, to me making a selfish decision today, to the rest of my history and everyone else's history to come. It was never Jesus' fault. Our sin caused us to be separated from a holy God. Because of our actions and decisions in life, we are not worthy to stand before a perfectly holy and just God. So, in the greatest act of mercy known to man, God sent his son to die in our place as a perfect sacrifice and substitution for us rather than us being punished by eternal separation from God. He makes a way for us to have our relationship with him fully restored, fully for all time. In Romans 5, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Our God is a God of justice. There had to be a consequence for our sin, the eternal separation from God. But rather than justly punish us with this separation, Jesus takes that punishment upon himself and dies on the cross in our, in our place, the perfect sacrifice. Romans 5, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. By his mercy, we are set free. Both the perfect justice and love of God are satisfied in the cross. Now let's contemplate the power of what Jesus accomplished for us by dying on the cross. We are established in righteousness forever. He has restored humanity 
to relationship with himself forever. Our fellowship with God is made right forever. We are restored to what Adam and Eve had before they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but actually even better. Adam and Eve had to continue to obey God perfectly to remain in his presence. When they failed, they were banished from his presence in the Garden of Eden. They had to keep on obeying over a period of time and they could lose their position of knowing God in such a personal way, which is eventually what happened. But through the sacrifice of Jesus, our salvation and our redemption is based upon our belief and faith in Jesus, not on our ongoing actions. It is once and for all, and that is the power of Jesus dying on the cross. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. A few bits from Hebrews. Hebrews 7, unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once, once for all, when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. Hebrews 9, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. So if we believe that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried, then we also believe in the abounding love, the incomprehensible mercy and unrivaled power of our awesome God that led to the greatest victory of all time. Our rescue, our salvation, our reconciliation with him for all of eternity. So, how on earth do we respond to this? Well, we are called to live out the cross in our own lives. And this is a natural response to such love, such power, such mercy. Now, Michael Gorman um, uses the term cruciformity. I'll say that again, cruciformity, to describe our response to seeing Jesus on the cross. He says, cruciformity is an ongoing pattern of living in Christ and of dying with him that produces a Christ-like person. And it is the initial and ongoing work of Christ himself by his spirit sent by God. who dwells within each believer and believing community, shaping them to carry on the story. Michael Bird, um, in his book that we've recommended, explains this as, in practice, this means that the cross must shape our spirituality, our vision, our values, our attitudes, our behaviour, our goals, our ministry, what we fear, what we flee from and what we try to be as individual Christians and churches. Now, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. The Apostle Peter said, he is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. And Paul reminds the Philippians, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, we actually naturally mimic other people. This is why we pick up accents or perhaps bad habits. It's called lots of different things in scientific research, the, the chameleon effect, a wandering accent, unintentional mirroring, but it's generally accepted as a psychological effect that when we spend time with someone, the more we naturally imitate their accent, 
accent and their actions. It is to do with trying to communicate and show empathy with that person. Now, if this is true, and the person we want to be like is Jesus, surely we need to spend more time with him. And also more time with other Christians that we respect for their attitudes and relationships with Jesus. So let's think about who we spend most of our time with. For me, my spouse, my, my children, my work colleagues, my TV, social media, music. Now, now, none of these things are wrong. But be aware, they could be affecting how you speak and how you act. If they're the thing or the person you spend most of your time with. If you're surrounded by people that continually speak out negativity or spend hours watching violent TV or programs full of swearing, then you're more likely to imitate this behaviour in your thoughts and possibly in your actions. Now, you have a choice. In some cases, you can walk away, even flee from temptation. But in some cases, like the work colleagues, you might have to stand up and be different. Now, I've never asked my work colleagues not to swear, yet when they do, they often apologise. It's because they know I'm a Christian. There's something about how I live my life and speak my faith has resonated inside of them and caused them to act differently. That's great. Um, now, think about, at this time, how you were using your lockdown time. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I want to make the most of the time that's being given to me in the midst of all the, the terrible things that are going on around the world. Now, our time looks very different at the moment for all of us. And um, when you look back on your lockdown time, are you going to think, I wish I had spent more time? Um, now, I know many of us are really busy trying to fit in, you know, two full-time jobs, childcare, homeschooling, everything else with what we're trying to do. But time is different. Our lives, that the flow of time in our lives looks very different. So please make sure you actually stop and reflect on this on your own and with your partner, with anyone you live with, your children. Sometimes when I put my children to bed, I just pause and I think in my haste to get them to bed, I could have spent some more time playing a game or having some more fun with them. So I occasionally make a decision about the next day and deliberately try and put this into action. Another example, I took my kids out on a daddy bike adventure um, last weekend and my plan was to attempt not to say no unless I really had to. I didn't want to dictate what we were doing. I wanted to just go with the flow and, and kind of let them take control. And I honestly found it really hard, but we had lots of fun. Um, and it was another example, just making a decision to be a bit deliberate about what we're doing with our time. However you choose to respond when you're reflecting on how you spend your time, I expect that most of us could actually spend more time with Jesus, myself included. Um, Again, as a family, we're spending more time than we ever have as a family, praying, talking about Jesus, talking to Jesus. But that's because we're making decisions and being purposeful. Um, we've got a time that we come together and we do this. We call it Jesus time. We use the resources from church as part of this, but often spread them out over a few mornings. For us, 8.30 was working really well in the morning. It's now moved back to 9. Um, it's not every day. But it is new, it's regular, and it's purposeful. When we do this in the morning, we find that we often reflect back and talk about it more during the day and during the week. Now, I know this is obviously harder if you're on your own, and I, and I do appreciate that. I'm not in that situation, but I understand. Um, and you may have to make more use of technology. 
I know that many people I've spoken to are having regular kind of family chats, even daily chats online for some because it's what they need and what they want. But again, let's be purposeful about what we're doing when we're doing it. People are very quick to organise quizzes, catch-ups, chats. But how about you use that media as well to, to have a Bible study or a prayer? It might feel a bit weird at first, but we need to be deliberate and purposeful about our time with Jesus um, to make sure we get that, you know, that good quality time as well as our kind of living our lives daily, walking with him. If you're struggling to keep connected with Jesus, how about choosing a friend, deliberately going through a book of the Bible at the same time? You could read it separately, then come together to talk, or you could read it together. Anything that works for you and gets you into your Bible, you could arrange to meet up specifically to pray. That way you know that's why you're coming together. You might meet each other on a doorstep if you can. You might go for a walk with your group of you know, people in the, the outdoor space if you can. But let's be deliberate. So actually, I need to talk to you today about this. This is what's going on in my head at the moment. I need to share. I need to open up. I'm going to need some prayer. I want to talk about it. Um, or I read this recently and this has really confused me. Or I just want to share this amazing thing with you. Let's be deliberate and purposeful um, with what we're doing. Um, reading your Bible, praying, stopping and listening to Jesus, walking and speaking with Jesus outdoors, praying or reading with your family if you can, joining in Zoom meetings, which aren't necessarily our preferred method. But in this season, it's a really important one to stay connected. Please don't count yourself out because of technology issues or you just don't like it. It's important that we spend time with Jesus and with other Christians. And actually, the Bible points this out as well. In Hebrews 10, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Think about a burning red hot piece of coal being taken out of the fire. What happens when it's on its own? It loses its heat really quickly. Put it back in the fire and the joint heat shared amongst the coals mean they burn hotter for longer. We need to work this out in lockdown living. How to stay connected, how to show love and mercy to other people. Please, I say this now, if you are feeling alone... Please be brave and please get in touch with us. We will find a group to get you connected with. We've got loads of people that would love to have a chat and a conversation, a catch up, a pray with you. Our life groups are still going and are really important for us all staying in touch. So please be brave. Just drop us an email, a text, anything. Just get in touch. Okay, so let's finally look at how we can live a bit more like Jesus. Now, Jesus knows what it is like to suffer. And I feel for us, we need to move beyond the suffering. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to ignore the suffering. That would be incredibly wrong as well. We need to face the reality of coronavirus, the reality of death, of pain, of mental anxiety and anguish and, and loneliness and process what is going on. But we don't need to dwell in the suffering. The story of the cross does not end with suffering of the cross. It is a story of love, mercy, power and victory. So I really encourage you and I pray for you to process well, process with other people, process with God. But let's not fixate on the suffering. Let's move beyond that 
um, to this amazing story of love, mercy, power. Let's turn this to prayer. Let's give it to God and trust him for the future. So what else does this mean? Um, we're called to love others with a self-sacrificing love like Jesus. Think about your neighbours, your communities. And in lockdown, again, we're seeing so much of this. Key workers, neighbours, friends, colleagues, even strangers showing so much love to each other. We've seen loads and loads of good coming out of people during this time. And I hope and pray this really continues beyond the pandemic. Personally, we're spending far more time talking to our neighbours than ever before, which we love, obviously, at a socially responsible distance. We've had so much fun with them. Um, we've got neighbours in the road offering to buy each other shopping. Um, a real highlight um, for us at the moment is every time it's someone's birthday, um, we all go out into the street. Someone will put up banners, balloons, but at some point during that day, we'll come out as a road and we'll all stand on our driveways and we'll all sing happy birthday to that person. That's, that's usually about 17, 18 households all singing happy birthday, all from our respective um, driveways and properties. And it, it's a beautiful act of love and caring for each other and we're not going to let that go when we get back into some sense of what our lives used to look like um, but surely as Christians if we want to live like Christ we should be at the forefront of this we should be getting involved where there's opportunity and where needed we should be getting things kick-started and I know so much of this is going on across Sutton Coalfield at the moment and of that I'm so proud of um, all of our church and I want to say a massive well done um, for showing your love and the love of Christ in this way. We've also got the, um, the lockdown hero cards to give out so remember that we have these cards to give away um, to people that we want to say thank you and well done to during lockdown. It's again a simple and practical way of showing someone that they are loved and appreciated and if you can't get out of your house then post one. <laughs> we can all get involved in this. Next, we are called to show mercy. So let's be a people that are slow to judge and quick to love. Jesus didn't stand in the courtroom listing everything we had ever done and ever would do wrong. He remained silent. He showed love and mercy. Such a powerful image. It's often hard to forgive someone when you feel like they should um, apologize or they should forgive first they should speak first but Jesus wasn't like that so let's not be like that we don't need to wait for the other person okay he could have stood up in that court and said well you did this and you did this and you should be apologizing for this he didn't say that he said in his silence he said I'm going to show love I'm going to show mercy and I'm going to go to the cross for you so let's remember the power of our words I'm afraid I'm going to come back to social media again which could be such a beautiful and wonderful tool um, to speak of our faith, to speak of who we are, and to help us process what's going on in the world at the moment. But please, let's speak unity, let's speak love, let's speak encouragement. Where we do not agree with others, or with politicians, or with protesters, please talk of hope, talk of prayer. Debate is good, it's great, but let's not attack character. We all have differing views of Boris and the government. But at the end of the day, he's the, the appointed leader in charge of this country. And we might not agree with everything he says. Um, we may want to challenge him in his actions in order to bring new leaders and new decisions into the mix. But think about the impact of your words on others and think about how to do this in a constructive and helpful way. 
We are called to pray for our leaders. We are called to pray for our enemies. So let's be quick to pray, quick to encourage, quick um, to show mercy and to show love. Let's be socially responsible. As Christians, be Christ-like and cruciformally responsible. I've just made up that term, but let's help others. If it's not helpful, don't post it. Let's live out the love and mercy of Jesus in how we speak and how we post. Let's encourage other people. Remember that what you write represents you to others and we represent Christ. Lastly then, we are called to demonstrate the power of God and his great victory. Let's be a people that pray. And again, I know we are and it's wonderful to hear the stories and see what's going on around the town. Let's pray for others, pray for healing. Let's lift up the people within the church that are unwell and their family members that are unwell at this time. The people that need God's power to break in. Let's pray for our neighbours. Let's pray just for blessing upon people um, that we love and care for. Um, Those that have lost loved ones recently, those with mental health issues. Let's pray, 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 pray and call upon the power of God. Let's pray with faith, let's pray with power, and let's pray with great boldness. And this is a great one for lockdown living, because we can pray whatever our situation, with others or on our own. We can be quick to offer prayer for those that need help. I've never had anyone offended when we have offered to pray, and usually it's met with a thankful and appreciative heart. We know the all-powerful God and what he can do, so let's be generous with sharing this great news. Little plug here for the next prayer meeting on the 30th of June and the 21st of July. We had record attendance at our first Zoom prayer meeting this week. So let's keep that going. Let's keep growing it. It's great that partners can come together, families can come together. So let's keep praying as a church. There's also the power of salvation. And we have to talk about this as we close. If you do not know God personally, if you have not made a decision to follow him, to believe in his word and accept that his amazing act of love, mercy and power is for you, then please talk to God and then talk to someone and do it now. Remember, Real Life Church, there are many gateways we can open up for people by showing love and mercy to others and by expressing the power of God in prayer and in testimony. People are searching in the midst of a global pandemic and we know a God that loves them. So please point them towards the gateway that leads to Jesus. And if you're exploring, if you're looking into this, be brave, be bold and have a conversation with someone that knows Jesus. Have a conversation with Jesus and please find out more. When we finally meet together again, my prayer is that we have not lost anyone to corona or to complacency or from drifting away, but rather our meetings are packed full of people wanting to worship Jesus together and find out more, and a good chunk of those wanting to worship Jesus for the first time. So as we close, what other ways there to finish, apart from declaring our heartfelt gratitude and thanks to our amazing, awe-inspiring God who gave so much for us who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who went to the cross and died for us, to set us free, to accept the punishment that was due to us upon himself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for being obedient to your Father and for setting us free.
thank you for being the perfect example of love, mercy and power. Help us to live a life that reflects how amazing you are. Help us to be generous with our love, our kindness and our actions. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are all of this and so much more. Amen. Okay, so I do encourage you to click on some of the other links that are on our uh, YouTube channel. There are some worship playlists, if that helps you, just to put some loud music on and just sing out your praises to Jesus. There's the other talks from the series to listen back to as well and plenty of other things. So um, we love you all. Our family loves you all. We can't wait to see everyone in person again. But for now, please wash your hands and stay close to Jesus.